it, it was a big choice to leave the FBI before a retirement. Um, and a lot of my, my colleagues were like, are you sure about this? Because you can sit on your hands for three more years and I could retire with a full retirement. And I was like, you know, I really did have to sit on this for a while. I had to think about it. I talked to my wife about it. Um, and then we just we just made the decisions like we need to we need to do this now or it's never I'm not going to be able to do this in three more years. The company's going to be in a different place. It may not survive it, you know. Um, let's try to do the company. Hello and welcome to What's Next. I am Joel Krogman. This is my show. This is episode two. And it feels great to be on episode two because episode one took some effort. But episode two feels like we're starting to build on something and trying to find my voice. And I'm liking the process, which is the goal to just work the process. Today on the podcast, I talked with Tom Marrero. Tom has a PhD in chemistry. He served the country in the military for several years, and he was a special agent to the FBI for almost two decades. He is now running a really cool company called Wakefield Biochar. They are making money while helping save our planet all at the same time. It's pretty cool. We talk about his decision to leave a long career with the Bureau, the impacts that might have on his family, and how he thinks about it all in terms of his value set. We also get into his childhood a bit as he has more or less been exposed to therapy and positive mental health practices for most of his life. I really enjoyed my conversation with Tom, and I hope you do too. Here's Tom Marrero. How long have you been back from Georgia? Uh, I can't, just a week. So I came back on Friday night last week. So it's been a, about, a, about a week. Okay. I was there for three weeks, which was, it was a long haul. For, this is the first time I've gone for three straight weeks. And uh, I could tell Kim wanted me back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're going to maybe not, not do those long trips anymore? I kind of have to in a way. I mean, we're, we're moving there. So yeah. it's, it's, it's like I have to. The reason why we're moving there is because I, there's a lot of work there. And sometimes you just have to be there. So I'm going to try not to. But if I have to, I have to. Like I'm taking um, on sun, a week from Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday, I'm flying down with Natalie, the fourth grader, and uh, we're gonna spend a week together down there. But I got it because I got to work. But she also, like, she wants to see more of it and kind of have that special time. And so she's your youngest, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna actually, I'm gonna take her to a school. She's gonna spend a day at a school, kind of the school that she's probably gonna go to, and then, uh, but just stuff like that. It's it's okay. I mean, I think the kids are gonna be all right. Yeah. Is that one of the things that weigh, weighs on you is, with the decision to do this? It definitely weighs on Kim. I moved around a lot as a kid. So, like, for me, this is like, I got it. It sucks a little bit, but they're going to be okay. I mean, I moved all the time, and every time sucked, and then it was okay. So I know it's going to be a, a bummer, but then it's going to be okay. You've kind of, yeah, you, you, you sort yeah. of know the pattern. Yeah. And so I'm good with it, but uh, Kim is concerned. Yeah. Plus, it's like, where do you live? Stuff like that. It's like, anyways, we're figuring it out. But yeah. Um, but for now, I'm just yeah, I'm there. I actually got a Georgia driver's license. Oh, you did. So you 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 made the transfer. I did. I was like, you know why? Because Caroline, my oldest, is she's a senior in high school. Um, she might go to Georgia for school, and if you're a resident of Georgia, and if I can prove that, they they automatically give every kid like these great scholarships. Every every Georgia kid that goes to school in Georgia gets, I don't know, twenty thousand dollars a year or something wow, to, go to go to school in Georgia for for college. Yeah, any school, private or public, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they're trying to draw families there, huh? Yeah, well, they want if you're from Georgia, they don't want you to leave Georgia. Got it. And they just want you to stay, so they're giving kids that. So if we have residency, then she would be eligible for the scholarship. I heard, I heard Florida has something similar where if you to draw families and get people to, to, to young people to come in is the, yeah. the, that if you've, if you've lived, if you've spent done like two years or something of mm-hmm. high school, then you get, it's like free university or something at the major universities or the state yeah. universities. I, I, I think you might be right, but I know like the lottery is actually, that's what it goes to is to the scholarships. So their lottery actually goes to scholarships for the kids. That's good. Well, there's some good schools in Georgia. Yeah. I mean, you know, university of Georgia is kind of like, University of Illinois. It, believe it or not, it's um, like the scores the kids have going into Georgia 
are comparable to Illinois, which is a really good competitive school. It's really competitive to go to Georgia now. Sweet. Like Alabama decided to kind of lower their their requirements, and Georgia elevated it. Mm. So um, we'll just see. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. It's all good. Sweet. So we're already going. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah, I figured. Yeah. Um. So talk a little a little bit about what this what you're doing now. Like, what does your life look like now? What you're doing down in Georgia and all that. Yeah. So let's start with like the now. And the then now. We'll, so yeah. now I am uh, full time formal uh, co owner slash president of Wakefield Biochar, and Wakefield Biochar is a company that my brother and my dad and I started like seven years ago, and it is a uh, we we call it an environmental products and services company. So what happens is we actually work with paper mills and we have contracts to go in and help them move all their waste. Paper mills generate a lot of wood waste. And so we help manage that for them. But then we also take some of that wood waste that, that they produce and we have uh, access to biochar, which is really con- wood that's been converted to carbon. It's in a, in a thermal process and it gets really technical, but it's basically wood, waste wood that is now a carbon. And uh, it's good for your for your soil, it's good for water remediation, it's good for all kinds of stuff. And so we've developed products now that use this waste. So it's a beneficial reuse of waste from these massive companies. And it just took off. And so now it's, uh, we decided that we needed to be in South Georgia. Georgia has a lot of pine trees, a lot of trees, a lot of industry, um, good labor, and uh, people are nice. So we're, we're down there working uh, full time. And uh, we've got 16 people with the company. Uh, my twin brother and I really run the company. Um, unfortunately, my dad passed away about a year after we started it, but mm. we kept it going. And sorry to hear that. No, it's yeah, no, it's and, but it but it's been a really good thing. So it's it's uh, Wakefield Biochar is an environmental company. We're looking at carbon credits. We're doing all kinds of fun work with that. We're we're looking at non-agricultural uses of the carbon to try to get rid of things that people use that don't even realize it that that hurt the environment, like carbon black, which is a petroleum-based dye that's used in anything from car tires to clothes and dyes and inks and pigments and all kinds of stuff. So we're, we're trying to find ways to, to displace all those things that are environmentally bad with something that's environmentally sustainable. And, uh, and really carbon negative is a big thing that we focus on. We try to do things that, that re- reverse global warming, not just say we're neutral we're trying to go the opposite direction. Yeah, we so, need some of that. Right yeah, here. so it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It keeps us really 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 busy. Um, yeah, and and so Wakefield Biochar. That's that's pretty much my world right now. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So is it you and your brother are doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, where where did you guys grow up? Like, what was your childhood? Oh yeah, so um, we like we moved a lot growing up as a kid. My dad worked for GE, and then he was a professor at Texas A and M, and then he became a professor at the University of Missouri. And through that, we just kind of moved around a lot. But we ended up basically just growing up in the halls of the University of Missouri. Uh, my dad was an engineer, chemical engineering professor. And so a lot of our, our background was academics. You know, we were, we were grading pop quizzes for his students, you know, when we were in fourth <laughs> grade. Just he'd do true-false tests, and he would make us, you know, grade them at night. That's hilarious. Um, so our upbringing was it, literally, if you were put in a nutshell, it was um, academics and soccer. That's what we did. The only sport we ever played was soccer. And, um, you know, we, we spent a lot of time uh, with schoolwork and trying to be good students and stuff like that. It was just part of what was expected. You know, if, we've, if my dad was a farmer, I'd be a farmer. But instead, I, I grew up in the halls of an engineering department. So you, you kind of like, did was he kind of like your hero in a way? You, yeah, I mean, he was cer- certainly inspirational. You know, he, he, hero is a good word, but I would say inspirational is, is really more of of where it was. It was someone that kind of gave us a focus and a guide. Um, and so that, that part of, of life was really important. You know, we have, we do have siblings and, and they also, um, took that, but Tony and I were twins. We're identical twins. Oh, oh no way. I didn't yeah. So it was a little bit special because we were identical twins. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everybody's like, Oh, the twins, the twins, you know, that kind of stuff. But, um, it really did push us to, and, and he really pushed us to try to over, you know, overachieve, Try to make mm. you know, set the set the goals so high that, you know, no one expects you to do it, kind of things. Yeah. And and I think I took that with what we're doing with Wakefield, but whatever I did with with, with life, I was in the military. I I was a chemist. You know, I did all kinds of stuff. But 
always just trying to set the bar higher. So you, okay, you were in the military. When did you when did you do that? Um, like out of high school? No, or? no, actually. So I went to um, TCU, uh, Texas Christian University, for to get a chemistry degree. And during that time, I it was it was like my twin brother and I were both at TCU. We have a younger sister who was at a private school. And I just started to grow up a little bit and look at the math. I was like, my dad is paying way too much money for his kids to, to go to school. Mm. And so I said, you know what? There's other ways. And so I, ju- I looked around. I had friends that were in ROTC. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's this like? And then so I, I ended up getting an ROTC scholarship, uh, which was cool. I tell people, it's like, I just didn't want to interview for a job when I got out of college. You know, I just wanted to. <laughs> so I was able to. I went to the Army. Um, I was a Medical Service Corps officer. So that really means like hospital administrator um, for combat support hospitals. Okay which was a great job, great opportunity to meet lots of people from different parts of the world. Sure. And, um, got to go to Haiti and do six months there. Um, and then after that, I was like, you know, what else is next in life? And I was like, I always academics were always important. I was like, well, I'd like to get a um, PhD. So I asked the military, I was like, you know, my colonels and stuff, can I, can I go to school and get a PhD? And they're like, no. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> the Army's like not going to support that. But... You can, you know, you can get out or you can stay in and keep doing what you're doing. I was like, well, I think I'll get out. So how long, how long were you in? I was, well, I was four years on active duty. Okay. I stayed in the reserves for another six. Um, and, and while I was in the reserves, I went to, to graduate school. Okay. And then I became a, 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 got a PhD in chemistry, uh, working with biochar, which was really cool. Oh, okay. So this venture's yeah. been a long time in the making this. Yeah, it's, it really was. It's, it's one of those things, if you sort of track life, you can't script it. I ended up doing something. I wanted to do something about the environment. And so when I went to grad school, the, uh, the professor that I was able to work with was an environmental chemist. And he was re- really good. His name is Stanley Manahan. Um, but he had looked at using waste and other sorts of carbons to absorb nuclear waste, uh, radioactive waste. Mm. And how can we keep it out of the groundwater? And those things were really interesting to me. And I got to work at a research reactor, a nuclear reactor at the University of Missouri and do my research. And huh. So I learned a lot about this material and we called it a couple different things but one of it was biochar that was a you know material that was made from uh, agricultural residues and, and we were able to do research on how to save water systems from nuclear waste which was awesome and then um, and then from there I just you know what's the next thing you do you do a postdoc and so I got to go to the to um, the research triangle Institute which is in North Carolina and work with children's health and pesticides and how they impact uh, you know whether you live in the country or in the city where the, what, what's happening to children's health due to things like pesticides. That was one of my main focuses while I was there. Okay. And so we, we pivoted for that. So I was, but I was in the reserves during that whole time. Um, and so when I got done with my, my time at the, as a chemist, at a, as a postdoc, I actually started to miss the military uh, huh. full time. And so I was talking to my wife. It's like, you know, what, what's out there? And there were some other people on the side talking to me about it. And I found out that the FBI is uh, looking for chemists at that time. Um, and so I was like, well, it wasn't too far away from me because I was in North Carolina and Quantico is just a little bit north. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I talked to my wife about it and um, we, I applied. And after a year of, inter- of interviews and applications and stuff that uh, they, they put on you, I was accepted into the FBI as a special agent. Wow, so I ended, up, cool. I ended up pivoting again, um, to something that I really enjoyed. I really thought it was making an impact. I was making an impact and I got to use, um, my background in, in science and in the military and talk with, um, companies. I talked to people from other countries. I talked to, you know, just, uh, people from all over the world about, uh, really my focus in general was, uh, dealing with weapons of mass destruction and counterproliferation. Huh. So that was for me, a lot of fun. I got to, to really, I think make an impact um, but all during this time, especially towards the end of my career, and I spent 17 years in the Bureau, um, and it, it uh, you know, this, this world of biochar was sort of hovering in the background. And then my brother, who was in, still in Missouri with uh, my dad at the time, said, hey, you know, our dad's going to retire as a professor. We can't have a retired professor. That's a nightmare waiting to happen. Uh, you got to keep him busy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so let's start a business. And my brother, is a, was a, he's a great entrepreneur and he does a lot of good things with businesses and so let's let's make a business and so tony actually my brother decided to to pick biochar as the company um focus and and the name wakefield actually he 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 brought it out because he's like you know uh saying marrero biochar just doesn't sell well 
it's not going to do very good in, in most of the country. But if we're from the Midwest, let's let's think of something that would be more like a Midwest farmer. And how about Wakefield, waking up the field, you know, yeah, all yeah. that kind of stuff. So yeah. we just he called it Wakefield Biochar. That's cool. So you didn't necessarily have like an entrepreneurial focus through your career, 17 years at the Bureau and all that. Were you thinking like, man, I just would love to start start my own thing or were you kind of feeling like no for me it wasn't i mean it was like literally just sort of looking at what's in front of me and and the future and what really made me happy what made me excited about doing things and Hmm. um i really enjoyed what i was doing with the bureau but i also was realizing that that time is about done Hmm. and i have to do something else and i would like to do something that i enjoy and i can do something with my family and with the bureau i really didn't get to spend a lot of time with my family um, and so hmm. this was a way that I could do stuff with my family, do something that I had an educational background with and, and do something that made a difference, um, even to a higher level. You know, I think sometimes I think with the Bureau, I made a difference, but it was more domestically mm-hmm. with, with what we're doing with Wakefield. It's actually more globally, you know, what we're impa- if you impact the climate it impacts, uh, it's a global impact. Yeah, yeah. And I really, um, I really got excited about that. And so the more and more I looked at it, the more I was like, you know, this is a great next step. And for me, even though I, I did understand business and I did do some things that had a business focus to it uh, in my career prior to Wakefield, uh, it was not my focus. I'm not, I've never been a guy that's going to say, hey, listen, I can't wait to start my own business. I think, you know, that did not drive me. It does drive my brother, but not me. Um, so it's a good balance between yeah, the two of you then. I enjoy the challenges of 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 taking something and making it better, you know, uh, the science behind it, the engineering behind it. Um, and those are the challenges that really got me going. And I could find that through, through this business. And I was like, this, this will be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Let's make it happen. The reason we first met, I'm trying to, I don't know who introduced us originally. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. But yeah. we met because you had another company that That's you were right. doing yes. called We Wizards. Yeah. And, and, you were looking to create a video to kind of help spread the word of what you were doing. Uh, Yeah. And that was sort of a pet project. That was something that, that actually did. It was kind of one of those initial, Hey, I'm going to learn what it is to, to run a business. Mm. But I was actually partly using that as to learn so I could be better at my job as a bureau at the bureau. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. I wanted to learn more about like when I talked to somebody, I wanted to understand that the, what goes into making a small business. Mm. And I felt like I really missed that. I didn't, they don't have training for that. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a small business on the side, kind of a side hustle so I can understand it. And it's, you know, I get, you have to get a bunch of permissions and stuff. And so I did all that. And that's where We Wizards came in. We actually got a patent and all kinds yeah, of fun stuff a, with it. Cool. Yeah, yeah. My kids yeah. used them. <laughs> yeah. They you were gave great. me a bunch of, but, but bunch of products. A lot of that wasn't because I can't wait to do a business because I really was trying to learn what it means to run a business mm. and what it, what is involved with things that I just didn't have a lot of background in. And so that was part of the push for me to do that. And I really enjoyed it. And maybe that's, that is one of those little bugs that got inside of me that said, Hey, business can be fun. Yeah. 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 So does your brother have that same kind of, I mean, uh, entrepreneurs are driven for all kinds of different reasons, I guess, but, but does he have that same, like he wants to make like an impact on the world and stuff, or do you feel like he's, you're kind of, you kind of provide that, aspect of it and he provides the <laughs> ambition of like let's make this big let's make this oh i'm sure he's driven by making an impact yeah, I, okay. I know that's that's certainly part of what he is but his his whole background though was more about uh i think initially would be say i want to do something that's that's kind of cutting edge mm-hmm. like back in the 90s he actually started a company that dealt with this crazy thing called the internet you know like he was <laughs> he was making marketing um you know for web pages and stuff like that so he was one of those first people to sort of start getting into that realm. And mm-hmm. so that was, that's, I think that's what drove him. It was creating a really solid business out of something that is new and novel. Yeah. And, and what's new and novel back then obviously isn't necessarily the same today, but now he's got this cool thing called biochar, even though it's been around for thousands of years, it's new to, uh, as a commodity, it's yeah. new as yeah. a product, it's new as, and so um, that, I think that's what pushes him. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you guys sort of trace that desire to, have an impact on the world and have your work, you know, matter beyond just making money or whatever. What, what do you trace that back to your dad or where do you think that comes from? I think it does. I mean, uh, my dad and we have a, a our, or my mother's father, my grandfather on her side, um, he was very much an environmental guy. He was very much one with nature, but he was an artist really. He was mm. into paintings and things like that. And so that, that was an influence there. But my dad was 
Uh, I mean, he's the son of, of Venezuelan immigrants. He was he was raised, born and raised in New York City. Um, you know, he has he had uh, he was the youngest of five. Um, always pushed hard. Uh, he academics were, were like there was no question you had to so he could survive. You know, to get to get to get out of where he was yes, at. Yes, yeah, that Im- that Im- immigrant mindset of yeah. like do what do what you got to do and, to survive. Here. And you know, he has all the same stories that I'm sure lots of people from New York City do. Where like I had to run you know, 18 blocks with rocks in my pockets in order to train, you know, that kind of stuff. And he would tell us those stories all the time. But he did push us. And he was very much involved in what what I would call green engineering, which is, you know, finding better ways to do things through engineering and environmentally focused. And so that that did um, certainly have an impact. Mm. That was definitely an impact for me. Uh, and, and I don't think he, you know, it wasn't that he was hard or strict. It was more like, this is what I did. I I think you can do this and better. You know, like he would always try to give us the tools mm. to to raise the level of what we were doing, and uh, but we had to earn it ourselves. So he yeah. he was he was paying attention. He was involved. Oh, he was yeah. seeing what you, yeah 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 absolutely. Actually, it was fun because when I was doing my PhD um, research at the University of Missouri, I took classes and what I actually got to take a class with him. So he was my professor. <laughs> we had a small group class that was, was that? really fun. It was it was great. It was actually. It was it was a really cool experience huh. to have your your dad as your professor for a class. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's a special relationship to have. I mean, a lot of father son relationships are a little more tenuous or combative, and to yeah. have that kind of uh, base of support is pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was definitely involved, and there it wasn't like it was always roses. Um, yeah, sure. he used to. I was, he would say he was joking. <laughs> um, but he would say, like, Harry Truman called his kids every day as the president of the United States. I can call you every day. <laughs> if he can find time, I can find time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, I don't want you to call me every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but some of that was there. But uh, he certainly was in, uh, involved in a nice way, and he certainly he, he tried to um, encourage, if anything else. Yeah. yeah. So you said he he immigrated from Venezuela? No, his parents, his parents did. did. Okay. It's a, that part is another whole incredible story. My grandmother, his his mother came to the United States as a teenager because her older brother was coming to the U.S. to try to, to gain employment and mm-hmm. from Venezuela, but he couldn't come alone. Mm. He had to have a family member. So her parents decided to send her with her brother mm. to New York City. Well, that man died like six months later from influenza. Wow. Also, oh, it, was, it was during the, the p- pandemic? It, it, um, you know, it's probably about the right time. So, but, so what happened was... Um, her family in Venezuela said, you can't come back. You have to stay with the spirit of your brother, <laughs> basically. We need to have someone wow. there in, in the United States to be with him, even though he's passed kind wow. of thing, which was, to me, um, very not normal uh, yeah, in yeah. some regards. I wouldn't let my teenager stay in New York City. Or <laughs> right, so. right. But she ended up um, finding people to support her and help her, and she learned um, how to, you know, uh, some skills and trades and stuff. And so she, she survived it, and she did well. Wow. But and then my grandfather came separately, and they uh, from Venezuela uh, for other reasons, I guess. And then he ended up, they ended up meeting, and, and my 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 dad was born in New York City. Was there a part of New York that was like the, the Venezuela little? He, Venezuela. he grew up in Washington Heights. I know there's a movie out recently. Oh, yeah, but yeah, okay. yeah. So he grew up in Washington Heights. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So he he lived that. He lived that. Yeah, he was wow. Washington Heights back that, when it was really Washington Heights. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you think that that there's a little bit of that um, sense of like gratitude for what you've, oh, yeah. what you're able to um, access here and and what's sort of afforded, just from living here? It's oh, kind of like yeah. give back to make the world a better place because when it's better, it's better for everyone. Very much. Yeah. I mean, I I think there's an appreciation for what you have. Uh, there's a di- desire to always do better. Um, but I think one of the things also he did things for like people he just didn't know. Like he would do. He would volunteer for the Boy Scouts to help give talks about green engineering. Right? Mm. I was never a Boy Scout. Like I did not like Boy Scouts. I played soccer and I did academics. Like that was what I did. Right? Those were the two things. And I worked in a movie theater. Like I didn't do Boy Scout stuff, but he yeah. just felt obligated to mm. help out, and that was a way he give back. And so he would go to jamborees and stuff. I was like I have no idea why this man's going to these things, but you know. But he enjoyed it, and that's that's just kind of who he was. You know, he didn't pressure you guys to get involved. No, no. <laughs> I think he knew that was a, that was going to be a hard no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So you 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 had a love of soccer, did? Uh, what, are you? I'm a huge Premier League 
Okay. Man, like in the last five years, it's just a whole world that's come alive for me. And I've t- are you do you follow soccer anymore? Are you- I, I mean, I watch it. I don't have a team. Like I know there are people that have teams, and yeah, I'm not yeah. going to pretend like I have a team. <laughs> um, I do like Man City. Yeah. Um, a lot. Um, it's a good year for them. Yeah. So, they, well, they've had a lot of good years. They have, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a little bit bandwagon. I like yeah. I liked Everton um, mm-hmm. for a little while, mm-hmm. but uh, I do like especially once they put it on NBC. Yeah. You know, it really did elevate it for me. Yeah, because you yeah. can actually watch it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do like the Premier League. Yeah. Did you play in college or did you? We did. Uh, I pl- Tony and I both played for TCU, um, okay. which okay. was great. It was a Division One school, but uh, there was no scholarships, right? It wasn't like there was a bunch of scholarship guys, you know, playing soccer. It was. It's like a soccer wasn't a scholarship sport back then? or For TCU, it wasn't. Okay. Yeah. But we got to do some really fun stuff, travel. Um, yeah, play, you know we played good schools that had scholarships. Yeah, <laughs> they, right, right. They thoroughly crushed us, but it was fun. <laughs> it was still fun. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. How old are you now? Forty nine. Okay, forty nine. When did you get your PhD? Oh, so I got my PhD. Um, it's about twenty years ago. Okay, and you had 29. a few years of postdoc, and then you joined the bureau. Correct. Yeah. So the decision to leave the bureau. I mean, you got how many kids do you have? We have four. You have four kids. Yeah. So that's like a big. Yeah, it's a big thing. Like it's because I, I just to kind of be clear, like I didn't retire, I resigned. Yeah, right. I, I've been in. I was in the bureau for seventeen years, and I did enjoy it, but I just I think COVID really put some things into perspective. Mm. Uh, the business, the small business with my brother, was really picking up, and I just had to make a decision. It's like you know, is the retirement what drives me? Mm. Or is it what I'm doing and the example, kind of back to my dad, like the example I'm giving to my children, what I'm doing, is that really what it's for? Because it it was a big choice to leave the FBI before a retirement. Um, And a lot of my my colleagues were like, are you sure about this? Because you can sit on your hands for three more years and you'll get paid the rest of your life. It was 20 years was the... Yeah. I I, I just had to be, it was almost, it was actually a little bit less than three more years and I could retire with a full retirement. And I was like, you know, I really did have to sit on this for a while. I had to think about it. I talked to my wife about it. Um, And then we just, we just made the decisions like this company is going really well. Um, You know, it's, it's something is pulling me this direction and I need, we need to, we need to do this now or it's never, I'm not going to be able to do this in three more years. The company's going to be in a different place. It may not survive it, you know, um, let's try to do the company. Yeah. So talk, talk, uh, what were those conversations like? How do you, uh, it's gotta be, uh, <laughs> well, you distilled a lot down there into, we talked about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, how do you even, how do you even begin to weigh out the, the risks and the, possible rewards and the, I mean, and even, even your, your value set of like how you, yeah. like how you make decisions. And, and, and this is where it really, you, you have to, if you, if you're in my place and looking at it from my perspective, it's going to be different than someone who's outside the door absolutely looking yeah. in. And so for me, one of the, the things I looked at is just my family life. My kids were getting older. Mm. Like my oldest is about ready to go to college and, and what was going on in my world um, after 17 years in the bureau, what was happening with that? And there are some cute little stories, but they're not, you know, it was stories of like, hey, dad's gone or dad's a mystery, dad's not here. Because mm. I was doing stuff for the bureau. So did you travel um, a lot? Were you. I, I traveled a lot, hours? or some of the things, a lot of the things that I did, I couldn't talk about. Sure, right? sure. And so for 17 years, I was pretty much a ghost as mm. far as what does dad do? My kids didn't really know. I mean, they knew I was in the FBI, I wasn't hiding that from them, but they didn't know, like, what does dad do? Right, and there were some things that were growing in their heads, and I could tell, like they 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 were assuming things that were really wrong about me, but I couldn't mm. necessarily correct it. Mm. Um, Can you tell them now what you did, or is it still off? Not the, really, yeah. no. Uh, yeah, when I left, I signed a lot of. They required me to sign a lot yeah. of disclosures. <laughs> so, but it, but I, but I still had to look at that. I mean, like you know, family life was a, was a big deal, and and I mean, like when I. When I finally made the decision, and we talked, my wife and I talked a lot about that. Like, what does it mean to do that? Well, what was going to happen was my family could learn what I do, but they could participate now. My mm-hmm. wife, who mm-hmm. was always still somewhat in the dark, I mean, she, you know, of what I did, now is working with me, you know, and and so it really just changed how I interact with my family. And you probably over the last seven years of doing that company too, like yeah that became a part of your life you could share with them. And mm-hmm. there's that probably yeah. can, and, 
I mean, I think one of the things that, and there were more discussions that besides just family, but like when I told my mother um, that I was going to leave the bureau, oh, well, she's like, thank God. Hmm. And I was like, and, and, and I was like, why did you say that? She's like, well, I was always worried about you. I was like, okay, well, I got that. I mean, you know, but a lot of things that people didn't necessarily tell me up front when I said I was leaving, they're like, hey, I'm glad you, you know, you've served your country long enough. And I think when you add it all up, it's almost 30 years of mm-hmm. government service with the military. And, and right, right. So I, um, that part was really important to me. And I saw it more and more and more. It's like, I, you know, I, I walked around the halls of the university with my dad. No, my kids could never do that with me. Right. Right. But now I can take them to our facility and they can, they can walk the halls of the facility. You yeah, know? And they, yeah. Can, they can see and, and be a part of it. And it's a huge difference in, I think, how they see me, for one. Hmm. Yeah. But then there was also just the math. You know, you, you do the math and you look at finances and you look at numbers and small businesses are hard. You, you know, small businesses are hard. You, yep. have to, you have to work hard. There is no clock. It's not nine to five. It's, it's 24 hours a day. I was taking phone calls before I walked into here, you know, yeah, and, yeah. um, it's always, it's always working, but it's a different feel to it. And so, um, financially we just had to look at it and say, well, there's, there's great potential. Um, and the retirement from the bureau is awesome, but is it really worth three years of continued stress during pivotal times in my life, my kid's life, my wife's life, you know? Yeah. And so we looked at the finances and said, you know, we can give it a chance. And then that's that's what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I mean, I, where I'm at in my life, you know, I'm, I'm, my kids are not as old as your kids are. I'm not, you said you're 49? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm 36. So there's, you know, making a big change like that, and you're doing something new. Yeah. It's un, un, uncharted. It is. It, it's, it is new. It's a new frontier. Um, and I get to help shape it, and I think that's exciting. Um, it's a business that there's really no competitors because there's nobody doing everything that we do. Yeah. And, and um that's fun for me. Like, I like that challenge. That's a great challenge. Yeah. And it's making an impact. So I, I think it's great, but we've gone from, you know, uh, and a lot hats off to my brother for doing the lion's share of the, the, the business development work, but we've gone from basically me and my brother and my dad. And the whole, the whole goal was literally like, can we pay a cell phone bill? Like if we could pay a cell phone bill, we were <laughs> yes. so happy. We were like, <laughs> Man, we're paying our cell phone bills with this company. This place rocks. Like we're gonna <laughs> Amazon. You know, we'll do some orders, make enough to pay the bills, and maybe even buy new cell phones for the family. Of, you know, every once in a while. Sure. And, um, that was the goal, and then it just kept escalating. And so we went from that to now we have about sixteen employees, um, all around the Southeast United States, and you know, full time, a facility, vehicles, you know, people working. Yeah. And it's really. Um, it almost snuck up on us, but it's rewarding. You know? Well, so I was going to ask, when did the thought of like, okay, it's time time to make this transition from the bureau? Like, yeah. how how when did that idea really kind of take root in you to you actually making the decision to to go do it? Um, I would say uh, it was right before COVID, literally, like before COVID hit, and people even knew about COVID. Uh, we had seen enough things happen, and we had been approached by some people that really made me want to grow the business. Like, like to see that if I put effort into it, they would be rewarded um, for a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so this, it was just prior to COVID. Um, we had talked about like really launching the company, getting a facility, talking about where it would locate. Like we wouldn't locate a facility just because we live in a state. It needs to be where it needs to be. And so we talked about that, Tony and I did, and we, figured it out. And, and at that point I was kind of looking forward. I'm like, you know, I'm, and, and you know, it's retirement was five years away. So I was like, well, that's, that's pretty far off. And, and, but I was still doing stuff on the side and, um, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, COVID hit some things, you know, world's changing what's happening. Um, but we were still able to flourish the company, uh, with, with revenue it was okay. People were being hired. We were hiring people and not firing people during COVID. Yeah. Um, which was great. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it, it just, uh, the decision, the final decision really didn't occur until, um, I would say it was, it was the, in the middle of 2021. So, you know, not too long ago is when yeah. I finally said, you know, no, I have to, I have to do this. Um, but there was, a, you know, I'm a slow boil. It was about a year or so before that, um, that I, that was really in my, you know, thinking about it, going over it, talking about it, figuring out, yeah. What to do? Yeah, uh, it, this was not a spur of the moment decision. 
Yeah, yeah. In any, in any way. Yeah. So, so the big decision points for you are family, and then like financially, we can we make this work? Yeah. And your values are like when I when I'm looking yeah. back on my life, what do I want to say I did with it? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I did. I looked at all that. You know, um, when I left the military, uh, it was I had there's there were two things that I that I really kind of remember. Uh, there was a, a retired chief warrant officer, a crusty old guy that I worked with. He was retired. He came back as a civilian. But we, we talked a lot. And, and I, I was about ready to leave the Army uh, from active duty. And I was very much the you know, high and tight haircut, you know, that kind of guy. Loved it. And um, I talked to the, I was look, looked over this retired uh, chief, and I was like, I don't know if I can grow my hair out. Like, I'm supposed to grow my hair out, right? When I when I because I was so like focused on the army, <laughs> and he looked at me and he's like, "Tom, you, you can grow your hair any way you want to. If you want to keep it tight, you keep it tight. If you want to grow it out, you grow it out. Just be you." Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's that sort of it's it's sort of it's a very simple story, but it's uh, it resonates through all parts of my life. That little comment stuck with me. Hmm. And the other thing was, as I was leaving, uh, I, my last uh, active duty station was Fort Bliss, Texas, which is El Paso, and I remember thinking, "There's no rearview mirror for the military. They've already replaced me." You know, with somebody else, yeah. that, that the 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 big green machine is going to move on without me. They don't, you know, Tom Morero does not hold the army up in his you know in his hands. Um, so I, I and I realized that's that's now part of my past, and I have to transition my mind to the future. And I'm, so I, I try not to be the guy that's like always trying to tell army stories. Mm. You know, for those f- four years I was active duty, using the six years. You know, the I want to focus on what I'm doing now, and so that. Happened when I was a chemist, and it's and in the bureau, it's same thing. There's no rearview mirror for the bureau. They've already replaced somebody at my desk that I sat at. They've already, you know, things are moving on. Cases are still going forward. All that's taken care of. Yeah. The, the, there was no news story from Lester Holt that Tom Morero left the bureau, and, and it's, it's gone into decay, right? It's, it's just moved on, right? <laughs> um, and so for that part, I, I was looking at forward. I was like, you know, well, what? Eventually, I have to move on from this job. I have to... This career is over, and whether it's now or in three years, I still have to transition. So, what am I going to do next? I'm not that old. What do you do? And so that's where my mind was at. It's like, well, what do I want to do now for like all this stuff that I've done? What do you want to do next? And this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. Did that that, that comment from your mentor in the army, yeah, uh, the, the crusty old guy, the said, chief warrant officer? Yeah. 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 Did that did that mean to you? Like just be you. Did yeah. did that mean? Um, I, I think I was trying to to be what I thought you were supposed to be. It was supposed to be like when I when I left the army, I thought, well, am I supposed to be someone who can't have a short haircut? Mm. Am I supposed to be somebody who, you know, uh, you know, I can't appreciate the what I really enjoyed out of the military, the esprit de corps, the the order, and all. I I really thrived in that. I did okay with that. Yeah. Um, and he and he was just telling me he's like you just need to enjoy who you are like yeah. that's who you are then be who you are you don't have to be because you're going into an because I was going into an academic environment again I was going back to a university generally speaking those guys don't do high and tights and things right. like that right <laughs> it's a little, little there are looser. people who do right but he was just <laughs> he was just kind of reminding me like if you want to you know be who you are be who you are that's why you you're going to the school to do what you're doing and uh, it was really helpful for me to like just take the skills I have things that I enjoy and just apply it to what I'm doing. Yeah. And so in this decision, boiling it down to who am I in this decision to stay at the bureau or to stay like, wh- yeah. which is mostly me. Yeah. yeah. Or, and, and really that, that's exactly right, Joel. It's like, who, who am I? And, and I'll tell you right now, I didn't join the bureau because it was a lifelong dream. When I was a kid, I never, I was always going to be an astronaut. Mm. So if anything, I'm a failure because I've never been an astronaut, right? <laughs> I was going to be, that's my whole goal in life was to be an astronaut, be the first guy on Mars, you know, I'm going to have to be Elon Musk to it now, I guess, or yeah, something. Yeah. But um, that was the goal. But um, I knew, you know, I really loved what I did, but that career had come to an end. And I was like, now I'm going to do something else. And, and, uh, so you said you said it was never your dream to be in the bureau. Did you feel while you were doing it this nagging? Um, when I yeah, when I first started, no, I loved it. I thought everything was exactly what I needed because everything was new. Mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. learning a lot of things. I was doing a lot of things, and it was really it was really something that my mind wrapped around and enjoyed. Yeah. As I got older in the bureau, um, I, I I realized that I had a lot of things that I had done in the past that I had forgotten about. Hmm. the chemistry, the the things that I thought that I really enjoyed then. And I was like, well, how can I, and I started to think, well, how can I bring all this together? And I couldn't do it in the bureau. Hmm. 
I couldn't bring all that together. Um, but now I found something that I could. And, and even with what I'm doing with Wakefield, you know, there are things that I've done in the Bureau that really do help me out with Wakefield. Sure, yeah. Um, nothing weird or, or, you know, surreptitious. It's all legit. It's all nice stuff. But it's like there are, <laughs> there are things that you learn with how you talk to people, how you work with people, yeah, how you, yeah. you know, interview somebody. It, it, it all applies to business in, in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. so, so I am bringing that skill set with me into Wakefield working in small groups and all those sorts of things. So, yeah. so that part is, so is that I just wanted to do something that I thought could be very fulfilling for me personally, for my family. Um, definitely. Your time in the Bureau, did you have a sense of life was passing you by or you were making the decision that was the safe one or the decision that's like, okay, this is, this is the reasonable decision to make for my family comparing what, what you have to what, you know, maybe other people don't have or. Yeah, there was, there was a point where, um, I realized that uh, everything I was doing with that job at the bureau, um, I didn't I didn't understand the impact on my family or my friends um, until one day there was and it's a cute little story in a way, but it was certainly showed that I I had no idea how I was impacting people around me that were close to me, and it was my one of my sons had it was Father's Day at school uh, they did a project where. You get a cut out of your dad, and you're supposed to write words on the back of, of like your dad, what's favorite food, stuff like that. And then it was occupation, and he 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 wrote, "My dad is an assassin that kills kings." <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. this was an elementary school. He was elementary school. He was a young kid, and, yeah, and yeah. Um, but uh, and the teacher laughed about it, sort of like in a maybe slightly uncomfortable laugh, yeah, but sort yeah. of, you know. But I had to. You, you had to answer that question of, of one, tell the teachers, like, I'm not that. I'm a special agent in the FBI. He sees me sometimes with a weapon. You know, I do travel overseas. That's an easy thing for a kid to Sometimes to where to, I go, yeah, <laughs> monarchs yeah. fall. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like he, but but I, then I realized at that point, and actually I, I, to this day, that's that's one of the things that stuck in my head was yeah. I don't. I, ne- I did not appreciate how I was impacting the people around me. Hmm. I thought by putting a wall around it and keeping people from knowing what I did was safe, but what it did was cause a lot of stress. Hmm. And um, you so, also kind of had to, right? Like that was part yeah, of the job. I, yeah, you have to. But um, but now I realized that it the impact was greater than I thought. Yeah. And so that did start that little bug in my head to say, is this exactly what I want to do for hmm. the next you know X number of years? Yeah, and, yeah. And, um, so I think at that point I did have questions of what I was doing and how I was impacting people yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And and there are people that, that doesn't, they don't get impacted that way. But for me, it was. Probably like one of the most afflicting demon on my back is, is like self-talk. So like yeah. just negative self-loathing. Like it's really easy for me to, to kind of spin into a cycle of that. It's one of the things I'm learning through counseling and all that of like how to, how to, Aware, be aware of it, recognize it, stop it, you know, all yeah. that kind of stuff. But I think probably a lot of the, a lot of the people in my life maybe wouldn't necessarily know that because I think I'm pretty good at hiding that, mm-hmm. um, that aspect of my inner life. Mm-hmm. But you strike me as somebody who, who is pretty, like pretty even keeled, who doesn't yeah. necessarily have a, a lot of that like self-doubt. And I think self-doubt specifically in, you know, making these kinds of decisions can really hinder clarity making it making a decision based on what the facts are understanding yourself and all those kinds of things what's your so that actually goes back to my mom Hmm. which we haven't talked a lot about but my mom was a a a nurse but she was a psychiatric nurse okay so i grew up with a mom who was all about mental health Hmm. before mental health was really seen as as what it is today yeah yeah and so we grew up in a house where, you know, I, I'm pretty sure my mom was doing Jedi mind tricks on us all, all the time. <laughs> but she she did encourage us, like, counseling and things like that. It wasn't a punishment. It wasn't like you're going off the deep end. I can't handle you anymore. It was like, you need to talk to someone. It right. may not be her. It might be somebody else. But she but she, she appreciated that uh, from her own profession, and she saw the value of it. And so I think for me... Growing up in that environment, whether I knew it or not, I was learning those skills on how to manage who I am hmm. and 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 deal with adversity in different ways and finding outlets and realizing it's okay to be upset, it's okay to be depressed, it's okay to be you know, but you got to talk your way through it. Yeah, you got to yeah. figure out what it, what the problem is. And so, 
um, that part was just as valuable as walking the halls of an engineering department. Right? Mm-hmm. That, that part has probably been more value to me later in life than I really realized. Yeah. And so when I make these big decisions um, throughout your career with family and everything else, like we're making a big one right now, you know, if we're going to be moving to another state to, you know, to, with the company and everything, that's a big deal. Um, you have to have tools in the toolbox to manage it so you don't just spin out of control and think, you know, on my, I'm destroying everybody's life. You know, it's like, yeah. you have to, you know, you have to think, okay, we, we, there's still good people down in Georgia. If we move to Georgia, <laughs> they're still, you know, they're still, right, uh, they still right. have schools and water and everything, you know, the needs will be net, met and um, hopefully the company will flourish. So I do think that the ability to, to, to talk through these situations is important and it's not something you just magically have. You've got to, work on it and you've got to talk through it and you have to find someone to talk to about yeah. it to talk find ways for you to internalize you know and, and talk to yourself about it yeah it's a it's a real skill the more yeah. the older i get the more i'm realizing it's a skill that you have to grow and a lot of it is trial and error yeah. but a lot of it is having that place where you can just air stuff out and yeah. get perspective because it's so easy not to have perspective when we're just stuck in our heads even, even with the bureau i've done a lot of stuff where they actually require you to go and mm. make sure you talk to somebody. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to make sure you get get those things out, understand where you're at, get your baseline. You know. Yeah. Are you are you becoming an introvert? Where for the last ten years you were an extrovert. You know, and that those sorts of things you have to know about. You have to see what's happening and what's causing that. And uh, yeah, so it's it's been like part of my life, all the way through. Even just, I mean, thankfully in the army, I was I was I was in a hospital environment. Right. So that's mental health is part of that. You know, it's it's. Uh, so I think I've been very lucky with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what happens now? What are you doing now? You're, you're, so you're moving down? We're going to move to Georgia. Yeah, going down to Georgia, moving from Chicago to Georgia. Um, the reason for it is if, you know, I'm starting a company, the, the best location is the southeast United States. We found lo- uh, work in Georgia where it's, it's been very good. We have a facility down there, and I just feel like I need to be there. You know, I can't run a company and not be there. Um, there was a purpose for it to be down there, and so uh, we are. We're going to make the move this summer and head south to Georgia, which is it's a big decision. It wasn't done yeah. lightly, but it, it certainly is. I think it's going to be a good thing for our kids. They're going to see a different part of the world. Sure. And you know, Chicago to South Georgia is very different. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, especially now, like the just how things have become so polarized. They'll, they'll yeah. be they'll be able to say like actually it's not all that like people are still yeah. people <laughs> well so i've gone back and forth quite a bit from south georgia to chicago and uh one thing i, I joke about is that both states are blue states right oh is it <laughs> yeah. i didn't realize that. well georgia is uh you're right yeah, yeah that's right, right? Yes, so, yes so people get they're like oh wait you're that. right yeah <laughs> not just like illinois it's there's chicago and and the rest of the states tends to be a little yes, bit more uh, yeah. red and blue, but same thing. There's Atlanta, and the rest right. of the states a little more right. red. But uh, especially during the political period of this last year or so, a couple of years, um, when I was in Georgia, the people in Chicago would be like, "Are you okay? You know, things are getting crazy down there." And then when I would leave Georgia and go back up to Chicago, the people down there would say, "Hey, listen, be very careful. You're going to Chicago. We're really worried about you. We're praying for you." <laughs> you know, like. You know, are you worried yeah. about driving down the streets? I'm like, no, everybody's good. <laughs> like, we're fine. <laughs> so it, it 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 really did, again, open my eyes. Like, the world doesn't, it's polarized. It doesn't see each other the way if you live there. And I think yeah. this is probably the best time to move a family from Chicago to the South Georgia just yeah. to show you that, like, people in both places want the same things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, there's good and bad everywhere. I'm not, trust me, I know that from the Bureau. But yeah. Uh, um, it is it is an interesting time to, to to move from Chicago down to South Georgia. Yeah. So um, I, I just wanted to just end w- with a question of living a life that matters or that has impact that you can look back on and yeah. feel good about and, and be proud of. Yeah. I guess that, that changes at different phases of your life, but what does that sure. mean to you right now? Like right now, the, the, the thing that I think about is I'm I'm pushing myself to do things. Like I like to be a little uncomfortable. And I'm pushing myself to learn. I'm pushing myself to do things. Um, but a life that matters just means I'm doing something that's for a greater good. Um, and, and that's what this company does. I mean, it is definitely an environmentally focused company that I think is doing good. 
uh, we, we, we do call it a Jedi mind trick where people using our products use it for their landscaping because it's a good product, but they're actually helping with the climate. And uh, to me, that's really awesome. But the other thing, and it's, again, it's just about me, is that now, you know, I've, I've been on the, the taxpayer payroll uh, for years with, with the, the military and with, uh, with the Bureau to be able to say that I'm gets to do something where I'm contributing to people's families and, and lives with being able to pay them and mm. provide benefits and, um, know that they know that that their paycheck is coming every two weeks. Uh, it makes a difference to me. That's I'm actually the most proud right now that our company has gotten to the point where we can have full-time employees with benefits and and I know that they're going to get paid next week. Yeah. And as weird as that might sound compared to all the other stuff, like that to me is something because I've never had to deal with that. And I'm so, like it is such a, an empowering, positive thing for me. Hmm. I really like it. Yeah. I like to say that. Like I'm really proud that we have 16 employees. I'm really proud that they like working for us. Um, so it's... That's that, awesome. That's, that's, like if you're talking to me right now today, that's what I'm most proud of. That's awesome. Yeah. And what's the next? What do you what do you hope the next five years looks like? Uh, we're going to grow uh, the company. Um, my hope my hope is that we we actually grow. We do go global. Uh, we're looking at already looking at putting in facilities in other countries. Uh, and cool. so again, um, set the bar high. See what happens. You know, the worst thing that happens is I still have a great company in the United States. Yeah. yeah. The best thing that happens is I'm going to be growing. Globally. You're gonna be moving. Down. Yeah, <laughs> like, you'll find me in Belgium or something, yeah. right? No, um, so I think that that's that's the focus. Is like, we don't know the boundaries of a of a company that's you know this sort of product and what we do. It's never really existed the way we do it, so we really don't know the limits. And so we're gonna find out where the limits are. Great. That's, that's the next five years. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking. No worries. Thanks, thanks for coming over yeah. today. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Good, Good luck, man. Good luck. Thanks. That was cool. Thanks for talking with me about it. All right. So that was my chat with Tom Marrero. I really like that guy. Uh, if you want to learn more about Tom's business, you can check out his website at wakefieldbiochar.com. You can order some of his product there as well if you want to do some good for your yard and the planet at the same time. Wakefield Biochar was also just recently certified as a supplier to the Puro Earth Carbon Market. So if you happen to be someone who is in need of carbon credits, then you can definitely check that out. The Biochar product is really cool too. There's all kinds of uses and benefits and it's like a miracle product. A big part of the idea behind this show for me is to explore the places in my life where I'm stuck and to see what I can do about it. And for me, just being consistent and working the process regardless of results is one of those areas. So that's what I'm focused on. Got more conversations recorded and uh, more scheduled, and I'm figuring it out as I go. That is episode two, and see you next week for episode three.